Hello, this is Nuno Gomes for the Academic Observer on Economics, Business and Finance. And well, for the closure of this past month of August, we have been confronted with various worrying social and geopolitical headlines worldwide, of course. But from a financial and economic perspective, things have actually been improving. Talk about the European Central Bank, for example, and the British uh, rapid growth rate recoveries or the record high levels of the S&P 500 index. You can look at the strong U.S. consumer market that's returning to its normality and just the apparent ablation of inflationary worries in the American and European markets. But interestingly enough, when you turn your attention to, for example, South America, the economic crises there experienced have highlighted the pressing need for an implementation, so to say, of deep structural changes to the region's economies. Uh, and I'll give you a few examples. Look at the prospective Chilean aggressive monetary tightening measures due to their debt concerns or the Argentine entanglement with the International Monetary Fund, the IMF. And well, for today's episode, we're going to be discussing and evaluating the Brazilian current economic outlooks and a potential uh, worry uh, regarding an institutional crisis for the country in the short term ahead. So what better way to start this episode than by looking at the second quarter of the 2021 bulletin report from EBGA. And what stands out the most is undoubtedly that negative uh, variation or that fall in GDP by 0.1% for the second quarter Q2, which represents a contraction that ends the Brazilian streak of three straight quarters of expansion. What I mean by expansion is three consecutive quarters with GDP growth. And well, according to the Ibiza Institute, which released this data, this fall in GDP for this Q2 by 0.1% represents a much-needed stability to the Brazilian economy. They reinforced that GDP continues, and I quote, at the threshold rate seen in late 2019 and early 2020, close quotations. So, to some extent, uh, this makes sense because you look at, for example, uh, the Brazilian annual growth rate, which is at 12.4%. And that is the most on Brazilian record. So, so it makes some sense, these comments being made by Ibeje, that uh, a contraction at this time period, after experiencing three straight quarters of expansion and this high annual growth rate, could offer a sort of correction and stability mechanism for the country against, for example, inflationary worries, which is very uh, important and vital for the Brazilian people. But these optimistic remarks that are being made by Ibeje and myself regarding the 0.1% fall in GDP, they have not really been agreed on on totality by most of the media outlets and the investors which seek for the worse. First, they go on to the Ibeje report and observe that the main causation for this economic downturn is in regards to the investment and the agriculture sectors, which fell by 3.6% and 2.8% respectively. But what they conclude from this, the much greater uh, inference from this data, it, it, it raises and mounts more and more concerns of Brazil, not just economically, not just financially, but also socially. This is reinforced by the uncertainty felt uh, in the Bovispa index, which is the benchmark index of major firms in the Brazilian stock exchange, uh, the worrying political instability between Jair Bolsonaro and the opposition, the Workers' Party PT, led by Lula for the upcoming uh, elections, the government interferences fiscally with the recent tax reform and the proposal to amend the Brazilian constitution, the so-called uh, PEC Precatório, and to make matters worse, that severe drought uh, being experienced in the country, which the mines and energy minister Albuquerque claims has instigated the worst energy crisis in 90 years for the country. Just for context why this is relevant financially and economically, 
when the hydroelectric reservoirs, they're being depleted, which they spike electricity prices. And this helps stimulate or further stimulates the inflationary spirals and pressures that we see today in Brazil. Now, generally speaking, as a response to these sort of indices of inflation that I've mentioned so far, so that non-standard annual GDP growth of 12.4% and the drought experience, the government, they need to raise what they call a benchmark CELIC interest rates. And they did exactly that. They raised it from uh, the 2% experience earlier this year, which was an all-time low for Brazil, all the way to 5.25%. And they expect this number to rise to 7.5% by the end of the year. So supposedly from these numbers, you'd expect inflation to be uh, to some extent controlled. But the truth is inflation is still not controlled uh, whatsoever. And this is not an uncommon sighting for Brazil, historically speaking, uh, since it continues to rise at an annual pace of 9.3%, almost two digits, which when you compare to the target of 3.75% that is set by the central bank, this number is quite disappointing. In fact, the official Brazilian IPCA 15 consumer price index claims that this number has hit a 19-year peak. Now, although we started off this episode mentioning that 0.1% contraction of GDP for the second quarter, bear in mind that this is just a mere observation out of pure interest on the topic at hand. I was just looking into the IBGE report, but our attention shouldn't really be too much on these numbers specifically because these are just data. Brazilian markets, they're still expecting an annual growth of 5.22% for 2022, and this upcoming quarter, Q3, also expects expansionary bounce back results. What we have to look is look ahead and try to configure what these signals, this contraction of GDP, means to the economy in regards to inflation, fiscal and monetary performances in the country. And we have to really look at what factors distress these contraptions. We've mentioned so many things so far, the electricity shortages, the precarious politics, among other things, which uh, you can also look more into uh, this report written by Cassandra Fernandes, is all of these issues included. She's a JP Morgan analyst, and it is very well written. But Roberto Camp, she's the president of the Brazilian central bank, Basin, he mentions that it is the inflation inertia that has worsened expectations above all other factors. One example to prove this and look out for was brought to my attention by one of my favorite economic hosts. He's called Fernando Ulrich, and he compared the prices of crude oil against the increasingly devalued real, which is the Brazilian currency for those that don't know. Now for the crude oil CFDs, uh, which is measured in derivative pricing, the price of the commodity was sitting in that $70 bracket per barrel, which is above average high, but not record high. But when you look at the price of the barrel of this of crude oil in reais, the price was indeed at record high levels, valued at approximately 400 reais per barrel. And this of course translated into fuel costs rising too. The future of gasoline in reais was also at record high levels. And this example, alongside that energy crisis we've mentioned so far being experienced in Brazil, it brings back really, really clear inferences regarding the inflation and rising inflationary pressures and realities for the central bank to tackle in the short term ahead. So not too long ago, I had dinner with some Brazilian friends which had quite comprehensive insights into this topic. In fact, they had worked for many years in the industry and they told me that Brazil is too complicated to understand and to talk about. And 
well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on the perspective, that is just the way it is. That's how Brazil rolls. And I completely understand and accept this perspective. We can further prove this by, as, as if we haven't already, but by looking at the Bovispa index in Brazil. Just a few months back, it was receiving huge flows of foreign investment. I think approximately 44 billion reais injected at the Betrish. Uh, which is the name of the Brazilian stock market, as the vaccination rollouts were materializing and the USA was easing its bond yields. But well, why Brazil at the time? Well, they were offering very interesting pipelines of IPOs for successful prospective investment opportunities. Now, João Falcão de Castro is an equity analyst. He said the following in an interview, which I find quite interesting, and I quote, Thanks to the upholding of the expansionary monetary policies by the central banks, the current global situation for investors is one of high liquidity in the short term, which bodes well for riskier assets and capital flows to emerging markets such as Brazil. That is why the Brazilian stock exchange went back to its historic high. So this exchange market is characterized as a high-risk, high-pay model, with some investors envisioning, for example, the staggering earnings growth driven by what they say is a robust cyclical EPS recovery in the markets, while others see the Bovispa index losing value due to what I've mentioned already, the political scandals and that return of the Delta variant. By the time I am recording this, uh, Ibovispa is currently experiencing a 3.78% fall just today and its annual returns are also negative at 3.07%. This relates uh, truly to what we've been talking about. The exchange market is indeed risky in the country and adds up to the overall skepticism felt by the Brazilian population. And this example, although it bodes little context while I've been speaking so far, it hopefully gives you guys a clearer perspective of what is going on in Brazil. Because the stock market reactions, they often emulate what is happening in the actual economy. Inflation worries are indeed a concern, and this is supported by the fact, and I've already mentioned this also in the introductory part of this episode, the central bank planning on rising that selic interest rate all the way to 7.5% to uh, taper the inflation which stands at 9.3%. It's an aggressive monetary operation that seems clear and understandable given the circumstances. But now, this is just an extra. What if I told you that the Bolsonaro administration has recently passed, and I quote, the largest credit operation in Brazilian history via Caixa, introducing new credit lines for over 100 million citizens as he tries to increase his popularity for the elections. Yes, for those studying economics like myself, this is quite a baffling conduct to make, especially during these times and when the country is forecasting the inflation that it is. By adding the credit lines of to the 100 million inhabitants, they're basically exacerbating the logistics of Basin, with economists predicting that this could cause them to further increase the interbank select interest rates, not to 7.5%, but all the way to that two-digit 10%. Now, the real question is, could this happen? Tell me what you guys think. This was Nun Gomes for the Academic Observer on Economics, Business and Finance. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. For further inquiries, make sure to check my socials. And thanks again.